Well, good morning, friends. Great to see all of you. Great to have those of you who are watching online right now. Uh, I think we're in for a treat today as we open up God's Word and, and ask Him to search our hearts and sift our hearts and speak to our hearts. And I think that the first word we want to start with this morning is bold. Boldness. What does it mean to be bold? What does it, what does it look like to live boldly? So I'm going to do something I like to do every now and then. I like to call it break the barrier. I just want to give you a little bit of a time here um, to talk to a neighbor, all right? Let me give you guys uh, just a minute here to talk to a neighbor. And here's the basic instructions. Take about 10 seconds each and just define boldness. What does it mean to be bold? What, is, what does boldness mean? So take about 10 seconds each, talk to a neighbor, and define boldness. Go. As you guys are winding that down, some of you are like, boldness is turning and talking to a complete stranger I've never talked to before. That's kind of bold. <laughs> I don't know what words you threw around a little bit, but if, uh, if, um, if you were defining that, if you were to open a dictionary, these are probably some of the words that you guys even use. Uh, bold, brave, right? Daring, courageous, audacious, uh, forward. I like this one, valiant right? Not hesitant even in the presence of rejection or danger. You know, when you look up the word bold, boldness, and any of the derivatives of the word bold um, in the Bible, here, here's what we see. In the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's the word batach. It just, that, that even sounds bold. Sounds like you're spitting on somebody. Batach. It's bold. Um, and in the Greek New Testament, it's parousia. And really, it means confident, assured, fearless, freedom in speaking, unreserved, without ambiguity, and unhindered. And this is really the nature of the word bold or boldness. And as people that are living as followers of Christ, that the moment that we trust in Christ as our Savior and we turn from our sin and, and, and come to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in us and he empowers us. We've been talking about this. And one of the things the Holy Spirit empowers us to be is he empowers us to be bold. All these words that we just looked at, he empowers us to be that. He, he clothes us in boldness, if you will. And so as followers of Christ, we live without a veiled, hidden, watered-down or shy approach to life. And we step up to the challenges in life, and we um, trust God despite whatever happens, and we live uh, constantly proclaiming and declaring the gospel in a bold way. And the gospel is the message that we're all sinners, we're, we're all broken, we all live in rebellion against God, and that he solved that problem and he repaired that relationship uh, through Jesus Christ. That if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and he rose from the grave to give evidence that he conquered death, conquered sin, and if you trust in Christ and our relationship with God through Christ, uh, you're new. And he doesn't just give you eternal life. He doesn't just give you new life. Uh, he gives you this boldness that we can live with. This is part of who we are as followers of Christ. And so as I was looking at this concept the last couple of weeks, I came across this video. And it was put out by the Voice of the Martyrs, which is a ministry that, that, that really keeps the current events of Christian persecution on the radar because it's very easy for us to forget that our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world um, live with persecution, a persecution that we don't know. And uh, I saw this video of a 12-year-old young man named Amin, and he lives in Iran. 
And so he's a, he's a follower of Christ living in Iran. So you can imagine that's a, that's a place of persecution. And he tells this little story. And so I want to share with you him telling a little piece of the story. And I'm going to challenge you to listen and to look for boldness as he tells it. So this is Amen. And he's a 12-year-old boy living in Iran with constant persecution, constant opposition. And, and as you listen to his story and what he um, unfolded there, I don't know what you saw. Here's, here's what I saw as far as boldness in his life. One, even on this video, he's boldly professing Christ. He's boldly speaking about God's love. He's boldly speaking about his relationship with Jesus. And, and, and he's doing it in, a, in an unhindered way. It's very bold. He also boldly drew a picture of Jesus in an all-Muslim classroom. I mean, that, that was huge. And then he boldly stood in his faith when the teacher, you know, unleashed her anger and when fellow students unleashed their anger, it didn't drive him away from his faith. It didn't make him question Jesus. It, it solidified. He was, he was glad almost in a sense to be, um, you know, suffering for, for his love for Jesus. And that, that took boldness. And then he boldly prayed to be healed. You know, he had these wounds on his face. The doctor said, this is the situation. And he just said, you know what? That's great. You're a doctor and all, but I'm going to go to the, the physician. I'm going to ask for something a little bigger than what you're prescribing. And he prayed for healing. And God, you know, gave him some healing. And then he boldly went back into that classroom. And he boldly offered forgiveness to the people who ridiculed him and persecuted him and beat him. I'm going, man, if a 12-year-old boy in Iran can live bold, can't we? Can't, what's stopping us? We don't even live in that kind of context. And we have our own unique challenges. We have our own unique fears and our own unique you know, oppositions, if you will. But if he can do it, we can do it. And I thought I was just encouraged by that. And I hoped you were too. And so we're talking about this boldness that God gives us. You know, Pastor Joe Valenti shared last week a bold message about how we stand on the gospel of Jesus, a gospel, that message of forgiveness through Jesus. We stand on this gospel that's offensive and it's exclusive and it's forbidden. And, and he took us into Acts chapter 4, and, and, and for those of you who are new, or you're watching online, and you haven't been following, and, and you're wondering where we've been, as we're going through this book of Acts, uh, here's, here's a little backstory so that you know where we're at as we move forward. Uh, here we see that uh, Jesus Christ has died, he's been raised from the grave, he's ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit has come and has filled his disciples and his believers, and they're going around now preaching Jesus. And what you see in Acts chapter 4 is the very first recorded opposition to preaching Jesus in the church. And so um, as, as what happened was these two disciples of Jesus, after all these events, went to Jerusalem, Peter and John, and they encountered a man at the, the doorway, the gate, if you will, at uh, the temple. And this man was lame from birth. He was a paralytic. And they boldly prayed for him to walk. This guy got up and he walked and it caused a ruckus and the spiritual leaders came out, the chief priests and the Pharisees and all that. And I mean, just imagine, they're like, I thought we were done with this Jesus guy, you know? And now you've got these guys walking around and they're healing people in the name of Jesus. So they threw a fit and uh, they captured John and Peter. They arrested them. They put them in prison for the night. The next day they pull them out and they basically say, look, you can't teach anymore in the name of Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus anymore. And their response was boldly, we can't. <laughs> We're going to keep preaching Jesus. And so because there was a healed guy and the crowd's like, hey, you know, what are you going to do? They, they had to release them. 
And so we're going to enter back into a minute on the back half of Acts 4, verses 23 through 37, to finish that story. But what I love about what we're about to see is we, we have to frame this in with the understanding that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is, it means that we live with a degree of opposition. We live with a degree of discomfort. We, we live with a burden. We, we already have a burden for those who don't know Jesus because we know what their eternal destination is without the Lord. They're going to spend eternity in hell without, without God and without you know, the presence of the Lord. We're burdened by that. We're burdened by what we see on this earth and the brokenness. We're burdened by you know, looking at the oppressed and the poor and all that's going on. We live in this constant state of tension as a follower of Christ because we live in this broken world and we feel and see and observe and are part of, a contributing part of, the effects of a fallen world and a broken world. And so we have all this yuck that's in our life, you know. We had yuck that was, you know, imposed upon us growing up. We've got yuck that we've, you know, flowed out into our relationships. Um, we look at the headlines of the world. Like, there's just a lot of brokenness. And we want to make a difference in the Lord. And yet, we know that because we know Christ, we're going to spend forever with him in eternity. And we're going to be in the presence of the Lord forever in place of perfection and joy and the presence of God forever. And it's like, we can't wait to get home, but we want to make a difference here until that happens. And so there's constant tension. And then on top of that, you have opposition to our faith. It's almost like every time someone comes to Jesus, we need to say, yes, you, you get to go to heaven. Yes, you have eternal life. Yes, you get to have new life, man, and God's going to do a work in you and transform you. Yes, you're going to have whole new levels of peace and patience and joy and purpose in your life. But we also need to, like, can you just sign on this dotted line that you understand that people aren't going to like you now because you love Jesus? Like, it, life doesn't get easier because you love Jesus. Uh, now there's a whole other layer of difficulty that's added to your life. But because we know the truth, we're going to go bring it on bring it on. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, and the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, boldness to live it out. And so we're tapping into that whole understanding of boldness, because a Holy Spirit-filled Christian is an empowered person, and an empowered person is a bold person. Empowered living is bold living, not cozy living. And if we're going to have a moment of transparency, this is what we're going to talk to each other about. We're going to say, but we want cozy. <laughs> we want cozy. In fact, that's why I asked Jesus into my life, because I thought he was going to make everything cozy. And when we think about cozy, we think about words like comfortable and convenient and noncommittal and agreeable and favorable and self-benefiting. And bold living is not cozy living. Man, boldness is lived out, and boldness is evidence in the face of opposition. It's in the face of discomfort. And so bold living isn't in the comfort zone. It's, it means living outside the comfort zone. And so we're going to open up Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23, and what we're going to see is this boldness lived out by the disciples after this moment of the arrest here in Acts 4. And just another side note, uh, the word boldness, by the way, um, actually, the word uh, boldly is mentioned eight times in the book of Acts. And the word boldness is mentioned five times in the book of Acts. Four of the five times is in chapter four alone. So you could almost subtitle this Acts chapter four as the bold chapter, if you will. And so what do we see 
that a bold believer does um, if, if they're following the Lord with boldness. First, we see this. A bold believer in Jesus will pray boldly. A bold believer in Jesus will pray boldly. Look at verse 23, Acts chapter 4. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all, what? Boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After being released, they go back to their friends, back to the other believers in Christ, and they download all that happened. Man, we went into Jerusalem, and there was this guy that was lame at the gate. Remember the guy? We've all seen him. Remember, he sits there every day. He's been there for years. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Remember that guy? Yeah, we walked up to him. He asked us for money. We didn't give him money. We healed him in the name of Jesus. He got up. He walked. He danced. It was amazing. People came. We preached the gospel. And then... Uh, the chief priests came. They were a little bit upset, you know, and uh, they arrested us. And we, where were you guys been all night? We were in jail. We were locked up. You know, what'd you do? We preached in the name of Jesus, you know. And so they're downloading everything. And then all of a sudden, they had a prayer service. And they didn't just pray, though, but they prayed boldly. Like, they, they prayed boldly. Like, look at a couple of things that they did that just demonstrate the boldness that's within them. First, look how they started their prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord. That means God's in charge, right? God's sovereignty means that God's in charge. Like, all the events are fresh on their mind. Like, they just killed Jesus weeks before, right? Then they saw him alive, and then, you know, they saw him ascend into heaven. They, they, they saw this great dispersion as now, you know, anyone who's naming Jesus is obviously going to be in trouble. Like, it's not comfortable. It's not good. There's kind of some chaos and uproar going on. And you know what they're saying about all this chaos and weirdness? God's in charge. God's in charge. That's bold. It's bold to look at what they see going on around them and going, but God's in charge. Nothing's happening, Lord. If you look at that passage, nothing's happening that your hand didn't predestine and ordain. Like, you, you've got people in your life, I've got people in my life, they don't know the Lord yet. And they look at you, and there's chaos around your life, right? Some of you are going, oh, amen, brother, man, there's chaos in my life. In fact, I'm the source of the chaos, you know? There's chaos in our lives. And we look at all the stuff that's put upon us and the things we have to navigate through and the little, you know, relational tornadoes that get kicked up and the little, you know, health hurricanes that come blowing through our life. And there's all this craziness. And people hear us go, man, but you know what? God's in charge. God's in charge. And they're like, you are off your rocker. But you know why? You, that's bold. That's bull of you to say, God's in charge despite my cancer. God's in charge despite my health loss. God's in charge even though that loved one just died and we didn't see it coming. Like, God's in charge. And even though I don't know why, and even though I didn't see it coming, and even though I don't know exactly how it's going to play out and the fruit of that, oh, sovereign Lord, you made it all, you're in charge. That's bull. That's bold prayer. Then look what else they did with bold prayer. You know what they did? They tapped into God's word. Do you see what they did? They started quoting scripture. 
So they went all the way back to Psalm 2. They pulled Psalm verse 2, 1 and 2 out of Psalm 2, saying, you know, hey, why did the, you know, from, from David, why did the nations rage and the Gentiles rage, all this kind of stuff? And then they tied it to their current circumstances going, oh, yeah, it's still happening. The, the, the thing that you ordained and, you know, these people that were against the Lord, we just saw it go down here. And now we're part of that. And they thanked God for it. And then they asked for boldness to speak. Man, one of the, one of the most bold prayers you can pray is God's word. Like we should be able to have the ability to look at a passage of scripture and take it and turn it into a prayer. Like you know, we'd obviously come to the Lord authentically and we say, Lord, hey, here's how I feel and here's what I'm going through and here's, here's what I want to praise you for. Here's what I want to thank you for. Here's what I want to ask you for. But there's a part of our maturity and our spiritual growth where we look at God's word and we look at a verse and we go, I want to change that into a prayer. And that's what these guys just did. Like, let's take a verse that kind of, for example, has this theme and vibe to it. Let's look at Hebrews 13.6. Hebrews 13.6 says this. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You, you stumble across that verse. Maybe it's your Bible reading plan or something like that. So you know what, Lord? I'm going to pray that back to you. Lord, I can confidently say, because you're in me, not because I have anything to offer, but because you're my God, I can confidently say, you're my helper. Lord, you are my helper. I'm not going to fear. Lord, I know what happens when I fear. When I start to fear, I start to compromise. So, Lord, I'm not going to fear, because what can man really do to me? Lord, they can beat my body. They can take my house. They can, you know, man can do all these things to me, but you've given me salvation. You've given me joy. You've given me purpose. You've given me all these things. They can't touch those because you gave them to me. You're my helper. You're my rock. You're my solid foundation. Man can't do jack to me, really. I take God's word and turn it into prayer. That's bold. That's bold prayer. You know, I think about our, our prayer life, and I think about the whole, I want to be cozy, and we just realize bold living is not cozy living. What if our prayers became more bold? Like, like here's some comparing and contrasting, for example. Um, all the time as Christians, if, if you're a known Christian, you're going to have people, your neighbors, your friends, as, as you're being a life house, as you're, you know, trying to be a missionary, you know, out in this world, you're going to have people say, hey, such and such is happening. Can you send good thoughts my way? Or, you know, can you keep me in your thoughts? Or they might even say, would you pray for me? It is perfectly normal, perfectly okay to say, yeah, we'll pray for you, absolutely. But isn't it more bold to say, let's pray right now? <laughs> that a guy, after one of the services, just started downloading some stuff going on in his life. I'm like, well, A, I just preached on it. <laughs> B, I feel compelled, let's just pray right now about this. It's more bold to say, let's pray right now, but right here, like we're in a restaurant. Yeah, that's bold. You know, like we're on, we're on the sidewalk waiting for a bus. I know. That's bold, isn't it? You know, it's like, let's pray right now. But there's people everywhere. I know. That's bold. They might hear us. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're going to see us. Yeah? That's more bold. You know, we think about some of the things we say. We think about the pain and the trials in our life. And we say, God, take it. God, take away my pain. Take away my discomfort. There's nothing wrong with that. The Apostle Paul did that, right? Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. God, take it from me. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But isn't it more bold to say, instead of take it away, God, grow me through my pain. God, change me through this pain. Lord, teach me through this pain. Like, what if we were all to say, all of a sudden say, you know what, Lord, um, this situation, I don't like it, I don't want it, but Lord, do your work in my life through it. 
Like I think about oftentimes um, when I'm praying with my kids, almost without fail, one of them will pray, nothing wrong with this. Let's say, Lord, give us a good day. Lord, give us a good day. Lord, give us a good day. Bless their hearts. I think that's amazing. But like, what if we got all of a sudden one day a little more bold and went, Lord, give me a challenging day. In fact, Lord, you know what you did to Job? Could you send a little bit of that my way? Can you just strip whatever's in my life that I might be holding on to that actually prevents me from trusting you? Lord, what am I holding on to and trusting that I don't realize I trust more than you? Could you yank it out of my hands just to see if I trust you really? That if my trust in you is authentic? Lord, can you just strip that away and refine me and purge me and break me down then build me back up? Can we do that? And some of you are going, yeah, I'm not going to be praying that prayer. <laughs> some of you are going, this, what other churches are there in Broadview Heights? <laughs> it's like... That's bold. That's bold. What instead, of, what, what instead of saying, God, make me happy, we pray, God, make me holy? What if instead of praying, Lord, would you take care of my enemy because I'm on, they're on my last nerve? You pray, Lord, would you help me to love that enemy? Help me to love them. I don't love them. Teach me to love them. I don't know about you. That, that's bold. But bold believers... Pray bold prayers. Bold living isn't cozy living. It has to be outside the comfort zone. You know why bold prayers go unanswered? Because bold prayers go unasked. I'm guilty. I want to pray more boldly. Bold believers pray bold prayers. Secondly, we see that bold believers also speak boldly. They speak boldly. Look at verses 31, 32, and 33 with me. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Wouldn't that just be the coolest thing? Like, imagine if like, we just wrapped up our service. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> yes. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with, what's the word there? Oh, boldness. Yeah, okay, just checking. They had everything in common. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him were his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Empowered believers speak boldly about Jesus. Now notice here, we need to make this uh, very clear. It says they spoke the word of God with boldness, right? They spoke, they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were speaking the teachings of Jesus and what they saw the scriptures, um, how, how the scriptures had come true. Look at verse 33. It says, with great power, they were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. This is all about proclaiming Christ boldly, proclaiming the message of the gospel boldly. See, the danger of this kind of point right here is we say that believers need to speak boldly and some of you are like, oh yeah, now you're talking my language, baby. And what we'll do is we'll hijack it out of its context about speaking about the word of God and we'll say, I'm supposed to um, speak my preferences boldly. I'm supposed to speak my personal opinion boldly. I'm supposed to speak my political views boldly. And it's not that we're not supposed to do that. Of course we're, we, we speak about that. We don't, you know, we gotta be able to share. But what do we speak most boldly about? What trumps all else, pun intended, What dominates what comes out of our mouth? What are we most passionate about? 
And we got to be most passionate about boldly speaking the word of God and testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. Do you feel comfortable sitting down with someone, another man, another woman, if you're a teenager, one of your classmates, that authentically, genuinely wants to know why you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, why you believe that that hole over there in Israel is actually empty and there's no body, and that someone didn't steal it or someone you know, didn't take it or didn't like evaporate or he just passed out and walked out of there later, you know, whatever. Like, why do you really believe that? Do you feel like you can sit down with them and give an intelligent, rational under, you know, uh, uh, explanation about why you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Because really, when you think about when we get with people and, and, and we share our faith, we, we've got the content of the resurrection, we've got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to speak boldly, and then we have, have this story of ours about how this made a difference in our own life. This is beautiful convergence that God uses to change lives because this room's full of people that someone came to you and that's exactly what happened. They shared the content of the gospel in a bold way and maybe how their life was changed because of it. And you're like, wow, I need to know more about Jesus. Can you do that? Well, let's start with the content. Like, maybe you don't know. Some of you are thinking, I would be a dead duck now. I don't know what to do. Um, We have so many resources out there, it's ridiculous. Here's just a few I recommend. Maybe you need to refresh your understanding of the the resurrection. Man, you you could buy the case for the resurrection by Lee Strobel. Or you can get the case for the resurrection of Jesus by Gary Habermas. That guy's, a, that guy's a resurrection beast, man. He's got a whole website with links and articles and debates and all sorts of stuff on defending the resurrection. You can also get the resurrection of Jesus, a historiographical approach by Michael Lacona. Those are great reads if you want to just look at you know, the content and the evidence and, and understand that. A book that we are often talking about over here is Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. It's just a small book about this big. And um, it's something that all of us should have in our library. It's it's really a great theological um, writing on how to understand the basics of the Christian faith. All of you should have one of those on your bookshelf. And, And so maybe you haven't got that yet. And there's a whole chapter, you know, 28, that's dedicated to um, the resurrection. But maybe you, you like to hike, walk, on the treadmill, while you're driving, listen to stuff. Go to his podcast. It's free. 117. That book right there is free on iTunes. You just listen to it. You know, so you can turn your car, your office, your house into like a little seminary. And so go listen to the Doctrine of the Resurrection links and, and, and listen about the resurrection and freshen up. Uh, I'm going to put these books and a few other links on our blog page in a couple days. So sometime in the next couple days, go back to our website or our blog. Really the best way is to use our mobile app just to go to um, the blog page. And I'll I'll list a bunch of more links and some other books that you can read on on the resurrection. But with that being said, we need to have that content of understanding how to explain and testify with boldness that the tomb is empty. And then explain how the empty tomb has changed our life. And why we're different, and what Jesus has done in our life, and we need to do that in a bold way. We need to speak boldly. You know, yesterday I was um, in a, a workout facility working out, and uh, this guy came up to me, and he started asking questions. And he wanted to talk about this messy relationship. And so we started talking about this messy relationship, and it was just one of those things where the boldness welled up in me. And this is the danger about boldness, because you know, there's times that we need to be reserved and sensitive, um, but there's times when we can be too reserved you know, and, and in the name of sensitivity, be too timid. And then, then, then we can go to the other extreme, and that's one of my favorite points from Pastor Joel last week. The gospel's offensive. That doesn't mean we have to be. 
And so we don't have to become loud and obnoxious and join the Jerks with Jesus Club and all that kind of stuff and be over here. What you do is just like you take compassion and courage, you marry it together, and, and you proclaim the gospel. And so I was with this guy, and he's talking about this messy relationship, and it was just like, you know, there's dudes walking around. You know when you drop the J word, it changes everything, right? People get weird when you start talking about Jesus. You know, name above all names. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. And so I just, instead of like, oh, here's some relational dynamics and here's some relational things in play, I'm like, look, here's the reason that relationship's messed up. Here's the re- reason all of our relationships get messed up. God told us how to live. Jesus taught us how to live according to God's blueprint, and we don't listen. And every time we don't listen to Jesus and the way he teaches us how to live, we make a mess. We make a mess when we don't live the way God, and so this is kind of, not wasn't being loud and obnoxious, but there were dudes around us working out, and you could tell, like, oh, man, he's dropping the J word, you know? <laughs> Changes the environment a little bit. But are we afraid? Are we afraid to speak the name of Jesus? Do we settle for, like, the, you know, the guy upstairs, you know, the whole, you know, the, the... Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Jesus Christ died for me, and he rose for me. There is no other name in which salvation can be found. There is no other name in which forgiveness can be found. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's the master. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one, and he's our only hope. We dare not be afraid to mention his name. We have to speak boldly about the gospel. You know, a big reason people are discouraged and frustrated when it comes to sharing our faith is we haven't married boldness to the content and stepped out there. Man, let our prayer be the same as the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, 19. He said, also for me, make my words be given to me that the opening of my mouth help me boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Man, may that be a prayer that we echo. You know, as I've talked about these last two um, bold actions, the, the praying, you know, pray boldly and speak boldly. I think about the three habits that I challenged you guys with a few weeks ago. I said, if we start to implement these three habits in our life, and I hope you guys are trying. I know it's not a, a flick of a switch. It's something we have to kind of on-ramp into our life. But if we want to be effective in this life, if, if A, we're, we're daily in the word and prayer, man, we're going to be effective and not just prayer, but bold prayer. Right? We can strengthen that. And then secondly, uh, one of the habits I said is, man, just try to eat with two people a week. One of them a believer, one of them an unbeliever. And that could just be a bagel and coffee. It doesn't have to be a full-blown meal, but whatever. Just sit down with something and like talk and listen. And that's a chance for us to speak boldly about Christ. Drop the J word, you know? Speak about Jesus a little bit and what he's done in our life. As the Holy Spirit leads you in those moments. And so we can do that because bold living isn't cozy living. Bold living is, is evidenced outside of the comfort zone. So bold believers will pray boldly, they'll speak boldly. Lastly, they'll give boldly. Look again at verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was, if you go to verse 34, there was not a needy person among them, For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. 
And this is one of those beautiful moments. And here's the thing. It's beautiful, but it's bold. It kind of confronts us. It makes us uneasy. Because we see this picture of the disciples of Christ totally out of their love for one another, their belief that Jesus was coming back any minute, uh, their desire to be moved with compassion and provide for needs, just started generously giving. I mean, they're selling homes. They're selling property. Why? Because, A, they didn't believe it was their own anymore. God gave this to us, so we're going to use it for his glory. And a bunch of them sold their stuff to distribute to make sure that everyone's needs were taken care of. Now, now take note. This was voluntary. This was, this was a move of generosity that was voluntary. The disciples didn't get together and go, all right, we're going to draft up a policy. You all need to sign it. We're going to mandate this now. We're all going to share. Okay, who's in? No, this was just as the Spirit led. And so it wasn't, you know, enforced socialism or the beginning of some communism. It was like, no, these were people that were just voluntarily, generously giving as the Lord put on their hearts to give needs. But it was bold giving. They even called out this guy Barnabas. The guy sells a big chunk of land. Obviously, it was hefty and it made a significant difference and it helped a lot of people. And he brought it. And notice in this bold giving, this is, this is significant. Look where they took it. They took it and laid it at the feet of the apostles. They brought it to the spiritual leadership for the distribution as the leadership felt was best. And, and we still to this day are playing out that model in church today. That we bring our gifts and our tithes, our offerings to the spiritual leadership and we trust the spiritual leadership to disperse it as they feel best. And on that note, I just want to say a massive thank you. Just a huge thank you because, I mean, I've been here five years and I am just stunned at the generosity of this church. And I just have to tell you guys, I am so proud of us as a community because I believe that we are bold givers. I mean, last year we exceeded our budget. We were able to take extra funds and, and bless ministries locally, regionally, and, and around the world and give extra. And I'm so grateful that I'm part of a community that wants to be bold in their giving. Now, we can be more bold individually and as a community, but, but we are. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks for trusting us. Thanks for um, investing here, God's gifts, because we know that's a precious thing. And I'm going to ask you, continue to pray. Pray for our pastors and our elders. Pray for our compensation team, our stewardship team. Pray for our missions development team. These are groups of people that say, Lord, how do you want us to use this? And we do the best we can. And just thank you for entrusting us with that. That's a massive um, responsibility. And we're so grateful for what you guys have done. But this is another area of our life where we are to give boldly. We give boldly. So what does that look like? Well, here's just a few ideas. Maybe you want to become more bold in your giving. Here's just a few ideas to, to get the juices flowing. Um, maybe you've never started giving to the Lord. You've never tithed. You've never brought offerings to the church. You know what? I say just take that bold step and start. Maybe 10% seems too big. Don't start with 10%. Start with 3%. Start with 5%. Do what you can and have a heart to see what God's going to do. Take it from many people in this room. Watch what God will do when you trust him. Just watch what God will do, and you'll see how faithful he is because everything we have isn't really ours. God gave it to us. And so when we tithe and give our gifts, it's our way of saying thank you, and we trust you. And so we're investing it back into the work. Maybe another way, some of you, you're faithful with your gift and tithes, and, and you're like, you know what? I'm ready for that next gear. I need to hit a, hit a new gear. Man, increase your percentage. On top of your percentage, look for some specific opportunities that God's moving in your heart. Say, so I, really I really want to see movement in this area. And, and, and I, think, I think I can give more there and start to target some different areas of kingdom development and growth for the Lord that you feel like I'm going to step out there a little bit and see what the Lord's going to do. 
this, this idea came up in our creative team meeting earlier this week. This is bold. For those people getting tax returns, what if you said, you know what, 10% of my tax return, I'm, I'm going I'm to do something with that for the Lord. I'm going to take 10% of that tax return. Some of you are going, I'd like to get a tax return, you know. Um, what if you took that and said, hey, here's a special opportunity. Here's a special ministry. Here's a family in great need. Here's a situation that I have resources that God could use. And, and, and just step out there and be bold. This, this even brings in that third habit that I talked about a few weeks ago. I said, man, try each week to bless two people. Bless one person who's a brother and sister in Christ and bless another person who's outside the faith. We, we all can bless people in little ways and medium ways, but what if we were a little more bold in our giving? What if there was a way to bless somebody just outrageously, that God's given you the resources? And some of us know we're in trouble because we're sitting here talking about it, which means more than likely in the weeks to come, something's going to come across your path. and like, all right, Lord, I see what you're doing. I was sitting in church, you know, yesterday or a week ago or two weeks ago, and you talked about meeting a need in a big way, and you've brought this family onto my radar that's got a huge need. I know I can help, and I, I just haven't been willing. So, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something bold. I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to give boldly. You know, just see what the Lord does. These are just some ideas of how we can give boldly. Bold living is not cozy living. Boldness is demonstrated, evidenced, and lived out outside of our comfort zone, which means that if we're bold believers, we're going to pray boldly, we're going to speak boldly, and we're going to give boldly. We see a phenomenal example right here in Acts chapter 4. Now, as we wrap it up, here's what I want to do. I want you to do a couple things. First, as you think about those three bold actions, praying boldly, speaking boldly, or giving boldly, Maybe there's one that you just want to praise God for. You're like, Lord, you actually really have helped me grow in this area. Thank you. Maybe you pray more boldly than you used to. Maybe you give more boldly. Maybe you speak more boldly than you used to. Praise God. Just thank God for that. But is there an area where you've been apprehensive? Is there an area where you've been fearful? Is there an area where you've been timid or hesitant? And God's putting on your heart right here, right now, I want you to grow in this area. I imagine many of us are probably wrestling with something. So here's what I want to do. To bring this moment to action, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. It's not extremely bold, but it's bold. If during this time, and this is authentic, don't, don't do this unless it's authentic and genuine and of the Lord. I'm just providing opportunity. It's invitation, not obligation, okay? But if God's been moving in your heart to be more bold in one, two, or three of these areas, here's my request. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Just stand up right now. The first person is the boldest, you know, okay? Uh, if God has been putting on your heart, I need to be more bold in how I pray, or I need to be bold, more bold in how I speak, or I need to be more bold in how I give, or all of the above, um, just stand. And your standing is not for me. It's not for the person next to you. This is you standing and saying, God, you've been speaking to me, and I'm responding right now. I am physically standing as a representation that I'm responding to what you are putting on my heart. And so this is a commitment between you and God. You're saying, I'm going to walk out of here more bold than when I walked in. Okay? And if you're sitting, that means that you're there already, or you're processing that, or you're hanging into it, and that's awesome. Don't, don't, don't do anything unless it's authentic. Second group of people I want to talk to. There's some of you that have been coming to church for a while. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been plenty of times. 
But you know what? You've been hearing about Jesus. You've been hearing about his dying on the cross for your sins. You've heard that he raised from the grave, but you have personally never believed in Jesus. You are still in a broken relationship with God. You still have no forgiveness for your sins, and you are ready. You're realizing that now this is a relationship that I need. This is a relationship that I want. I would say right now, if you know you need Jesus in your life and you don't have him, I'm going to invite you to stand as well. Join these people. This is your bold way of saying, I need Jesus. I'm not afraid to say it. Lord, help me take that first bold step and just stand with these people. And as you guys are standing, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray in a minute. We're going to take this physical demonstration of us wanting to be more bold, and we're going to give it to the Lord in prayer. And for those of you who are giving your life to Christ, as you pray to receive Christ, uh, the biggest thing I want to ask of you is don't leave here without letting us know. There's a response card in the backs of the chairs. Grab one of those during that last song, fill it out, and put, I gave my life to Christ today. I received Jesus today. Put it in the baskets or hand it to us in person and just say, I gave my life to Christ today. Help me grow. And that's a bold step, and, and we're so glad for you if you do that today. For the rest of us, whatever that next step is, just respond to the Lord and be faithful and obedient as he leads you. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for all the men and women in this room. God, thank you for calling to us. Lord, thank you that you have not called us to be cozy and comfortable. But Lord, you've, you've called us to be bold. Bold even in the face of opposition and fear and doubt. And God, I pray right now for uh, men or women, boys or girls in this room, that are standing because they need you in their life. They don't have you. And if that's you, you can simply tell the Lord something like this. You can just say, God, I'm broken, and I'm lost, and I'm sinful, and I need you. And so right now, I repent of my sin, and I turn to you, Jesus, and I believe you died on the cross for me, and I believe you rose from the grave so that I could have heaven and new life here. I boldly believe in you today. Come into my life. I want to follow you. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters, I, I pray for them. Lord, for those right now watching online in the room, God, that want to pray more boldly, Lord, help them know how to do that. Lord, help us to know how to pray more boldly, that we can pray for healing. We can pray for addictions to be broke. We can pray for more boldness, Lord, in our life. To be more responsive in prayer. God, help us to be more bold in our prayer. Lord, for those of us who need to speak more boldly, Lord, whatever has got us afraid to open our mouth, whatever makes us lower our voice when we say Jesus, or maybe not even lift his name up at all, Lord, unshackle us from that. Lord, let us speak the gospel, the word of God, the testimony of the resurrection. Let us speak that boldly, Lord. Not obnoxiously, not timidly, but boldly. And Lord, for those of us who are clutching our stuff with a tight grip, Lord, it all belongs to you. Help us to be mindful of that. Lord, help us loosen our grip and open our hands on the resources that you've put into our life. And God, help us to give more boldly to the work here in Northeast Ohio, through CVC, our partner ministries. Lord, to the families and the ministries and the situations that you bring to us, Lord, help us be more bold in our giving. So take our lives 
Make them bold examples of a love for you. God, take these gifts we're about to receive. May we give it boldly for your use, for your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. We all sit together.